what really gets my dick hard is Welcome to Minnelope Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And we're at episode 71, and we're taking another trip back in time for our A Year in the Life of Metallica series, and we're going to do 1983 this time. Were you intentionally referencing Huey Lewis in the news? Gonna get back in time. (laughs) Hit song Back in Time from the Back to the Future series. (laughs) The official song of the series. I, that was actually <laughs> that was very unintentional, but I mean, with last week's episode and with mistake, I know that's what I was everything. saying. <laughs> this is part of the fabric of the show. If you guys are joining us for the first time, somehow we're at All Metallica Podcast. Ethan and I are two touring musicians, professional musicians. Get together once a week to talk about our favorite band. I'm currently on tour now, which is why it may sound a little weird. I'm in the back of a tour bus, and uh, the generator is humming. Got to stay cool. So hope. Hopefully that's not too distracting. Well, the rest of the bus is cool. I turned the air off back here, so it'll be getting hot here momentarily. So you're going to look super sexy by, by the end of this episode. You're well, ba- that's that's par for the course, Ethan. You know this. I know this, of course. Yeah, Your bandmates are going to walk back there towards the end and be like, oh my, they're going to start getting their dollar bills out. Oh, and they're going to start playing Sabbat True, and we're going to install a stripper <laughs> pole. And- oh, it's going to be great. Uh, speaking of being on tour, so I've been out this week with uh, Rodney Atkins, this country dude I play with, and I've been able to hang out with several listeners of the show. Yeah, very cool. So I wanted to say I wanted to say hi and thanks to Kate Cotton and her friend Lindsay. They came out the first night. Nick McCobiak, our friend and patron, and the artist who supplied us our wonderful cover our world blackened artwork. He's also doing the Lunar Satan artwork. He came out in Jersey. Meg Clay and her friend Nicole came out. And then last night I got to hang out for quite a while with our friends Sarah and Pete Sobeck. So awesome. It's been a fun week hanging out with my Metallica nerd friends. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, yeah, you 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 hit that that northeast area pretty hard. And and speaking of, uh, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I'm going to be out next month in May with a reggae band called Morgan Heritage playing acoustic guitar because it's an acoustic tour. But we're also uh, I don't have the dates in front of me, but I'll uh, I'll put it up on our socials when it gets closer. But I will also be in the New Jersey and New York area. So fun, dude! You gotta yeah, say hi to everybody. Yeah, man. Ja. Bless up. (laughs) Before we start talking about, I'm excited about 1983. Me too. Uh, Our previous installment of this series was, we combined 81 and 82, and uh, 83 is where shit really starts to to move. The needle starts to move with Metallica. So before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit of news. Of course, Garage Days was reissued, uh, which is just super awesome. First time in 30 years, remastered on... Vinyl, CD, CD long box, and cassette tape. I love that they did CD long box. For those of you that don't know or too young, do you remember those, Clint? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like like when I first bought Master of Puppets, like when I shortly after I got into Metallica, it was in a CD long box, and basically it was like yeah, this this unnecessarily (laughs) large box that you know a small CD was in. 
and the, but it was cool because the artwork like went they had to adjust the artwork for certain records and you know it had to go cover a lot more ground on the packaging well i believe the origin story for the long boxes once cds came along to sort of displace cassette tapes in order instead of getting different bins because the bins were all made for cassettes they had the CD long box so that it would sit where the cassettes were, but it would rise up enough to where you could see it displayed. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be where uh, where vinyl was? Because they're about that about twelve inches, right? Or vi- is that what it is? Wait. Well, well, well. Cassettes also cassettes also came in those like security plastic the long things. things, right? Right. So similar. So I guess they could have been in a cassette section or near a vinyl section, so they didn't have to adjust their bins regardless. Right. That's well, all really exciting stuff, right? <laughs> We are a uh, history podcast. It's basically us and NPR, and it's getting to the bottom of shit. Exactly. Right. Here we go. Long box. I'm on Wikipedia. That's right. When compact discs first began to appear in the retail stores, a long box, long box packaging served a traditional purpose, allowing shops to file new compact discs in the same bins originally used for vinyl records. Uh-huh. So there you have it, folks. There it is. We've just... We've just cracked the fucking code. That's the, all. Thus concludes our episode on CD long boxes. Thank you for listening, <laughs> and thank you for supporting our NPR show. They also have reissued it on orange vinyl, which is the one that uh, that I'm getting. Yeah, that's. I, it's, I think it's. I think it's already shipped to my house, but I've been on the road, so I actually went by your house and picked it up and I'm uh, <laughs> keeping it. So I appreciate the gift. Yeah, you've been sleeping on it like a pillow. <laughs> yeah, I use a vinyl pillow. <laughs> My neck well, feels because, great today. Because we all know you put comfort first. Of course I do. Well, and we also know that it, a part, as a part of the orange reissue, it's actually a Tempur-Pedic vinyl, so it's really comfy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, NASA technology that was used to make it, yeah. to make it orange. Only, only the best for Metallica reissues. Um, so that's fun that they did that. I'm currently, as I sit here, wearing the Garage Day, the newly uh, minted Garage Days re-revisited hoodie. It's a good one. I feel very, very uh, metal in it. I feel very snug. I feel very warm. I've even been sleeping in it a little bit in my bunk. That's amazing. I feel like in about 30 minutes, when uh, now that that AC is off in your back lounge, you're going to be shedding that thing soon. I'm going to be bummed. You're true. That's right. Uh, another cool thing that Metallica announced on the 16th of April is this. Uh, the May 23rd, Metallica has deemed Metallica Day of Service, and it's all through their uh, All Within My Hands food bank stuff that they do where they're encouraging their fans to volunteer at the local food banks in the cities they played on the stadium tour last year. Yeah. let's. They have a little commercial for it. Let's just hear the clip real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, everyone. I am Lars. And I am Robert. And we are one half of Metallica, and we are here to encourage you to join us on May 23rd for a Metallica Day of Service. To volunteer at local food banks in cities we played in on the 2017 stadium tour. Register now at Metallica.com or allwithinmyhands.org to volunteer at a food bank in your community. All registered fans will receive a special All Within My Hands t-shirt when they check in to their local food bank on May 23rd. If you're not available that day or do not see a food bank listing on the site in your neighborhood, Visit feedingamerica.org to find a community food bank that's very close to where you are. Please do. Thank you. I love it, man. If you register at the website, then you get this sort of special commemorative shirt. I mean, 
how cool is it that these dudes have been our heroes our whole lives yeah. and they just continue continue to inspire us to use their platform to to help people in need it makes me proud to be a fan of course and i i really hope that after the next us lega shows they do one for nashville because it'd be really fun for you and I and a bunch of listeners that live here to meet up and go help out in the community and you know absolutely obviously get you know money would go to the All Within My Hands Foundation absolutely so we want to encourage you all to go check that out if you're in a city where you can go help you know let's all let's all make Metallica proud and and join them and help some folks agree another cool thing that's been going down is old Jimmy James Het Senior has got a badass new guitar that he is called Carl oh yeah. Um, you want to hear? Let's hear from James about this new cool guitar he's got. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to talk about this one for a second? This it's is named Carl, guitar. right? Right. It's named it Carl. Carl, say hi to Carl. Carl for Carlson Boulevard. We have a huge room, so there was such a big space that I thought, you know, it'd be cool, really fucking rock star like. Let's take the garage from Carlson and put it in this room. Just put it there. I mean, we have everything else. We got Doris's head. We got, you know, Ride the Lightning banner. We've got all this stuff, historical stuff. Let's get the garage and take it apart and put it back together in here. And it never came to fruition. It was kind of stupid and yeah, whatever. And come to find out that they later tore down the garage. So it was bummed. We went to Carlson. It wasn't too long ago. They were super kind set up the place all that man it the, the story behind that thing is pretty amazing like when i've because we had about you know five hundred thousand people email us about this thing <laughs> yes we did and um I, you know of course we watched the video and uh it, at first it was kind of like okay like aesthetically i don't like lo- i wouldn't i wouldn't play a guitar like that but then you know you don't really think about it you know literally they took wood from this garage where they wrote puppets and lightning and made this guitar for him, the nails are still in it, and like the all the story of, of the inlays on the neck, it's like, wow, okay, all of a sudden this guitar got way cooler. I know, I know. And you know, and Ken Lawrence, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, Ken Lawrence makes that, that wood grain guitar that James plays a lot on Fade to Black, on One, Day That Never Comes. It's sort of been a fixture for for a while with James. Yeah, I think he said that he, he likes his guitars like on a lot of the stuff where he starts songs on a clean tone. Yeah, his clean stuff. But dude, how about how about the idea first of all that they wanted to rebuild the entire garage in HQ? I know. Holy shit. That would have been so cool. And it, I mean, let's be honest, they would have done it, but then as we learn in the video, that garage got torn down. Right. But thankfully, uh dude kept a bunch of wood from it and that's what ended up on the guitar. Like it's so bitching. And I love that they they the people that own the house now, they basically hosted a party with old friends and family and stuff at that property in the bay area and and those people were stoked like i'm sure they're you know they got any metallica fans it's like oh hey by the way ride the lightning and fucking master of puppets were written in this backyard i like to imagine like you know james has been sober for 15 years which of course is an amazing accomplishment etc but they rebuild the garage in hq and he's like well when i am in that garage in hq i can drink coors light <laughs> that's it. Coors the rules light. of time the rules of time and space no longer matter in the garage in hq correct and once i step out i'm sober again and i don't even have a buzz anymore but how about the story of the inlay with the three dudes and they they go to meet cliff oh my gosh cliff's, per- cliff's portrayed as orion 
there's the Bay Bridge because they go to move to San Francisco with Cliff. Cliff passes away. Uh, then Cliff looks over them as Orion in the sky, the Dude, constellation. It's so bitching. Like when at this point in the video, like when you, guys, uh, of course, most of you listening have seen it, but um, by the time he gets to explaining all the inlays on the fretboard, there's already an amazing story he's already told about this guitar, and then it goes into this, and then I, I couldn't believe the, the amount of detail just in. 24 frets that they fit in there and this that story is just incredible man i got chills watching it well well and yeah and and even like there's even like sort of another easter egg of the address because the reason the guitar is called carl's because it's from 3132 carlson boulevard where the garage was right and the address of 3132 is even in the story also i know it's so cool man man give it let's give it up for ken lawrence dude. Hey, ken lawrence everybody Come good job on. ken jeez that's kind of what's been going on. The boys are still kind of on tour and doing their thing, and I think they're still over in Europe, right? I think they, as of a couple of days ago before we recorded this, I think they just got home again because I think as of today, Lars is at Disneyland with his kid. Oh, yeah, I did see that. He's at Disneyland. That's fun. Of course it's fun. It's Disneyland. We have this thing called Patreon. You've been on the ride with us. You know what it is. It's a way for you to donate to the show. You're going to hear a little bit more about it next week, but... We give all sorts of incentives for becoming patrons. At the very bottom line, we give you a shout-out on the show because we want to say thank you. We got five or six this week, so I wanted to mention... I'll mention the first three. You mentioned the last three, okay? Sounds good. Uh, I'm really sorry, Nizi. I'm going to butcher your last name. Nizi Eldergami, Andrew Belly, uh, and Dylan McIntyre. We also have Forrest Smith, Alan uh, Feidel. Philadelphia. That's that's kind of a tough one. Philadelphia. Phil, Phil Allen, Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Let's just make it easier and call it Philadelphia. Exactly. Okay. And the last one is New Jersey. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, Treat Clement. Thank you guys so much right. for your patronage. We've got some pretty exciting stuff cooking for the Patreons. Uh, we can't really talk about it yet, but just know that there's exciting shit. Yeah, it's top secret, man. There. Come follow us on all the socials. We're all there. We've been doing a lot of these Instagram live things where we sort of just hang out with listeners and we really talk anything. Talk metal. I did a. I don't know if you saw this, Ethan, but I did a session at home. Yeah, uh, I saw the other it. day a guitar session, and uh, I kind of did the Instagram live, and people got to see me do a guitar session and kind of what that's like. That was pretty fun. That's awesome, man. That's very cool. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I think that's a cool. I think that's a cool thing for uh, whether you're a musician or not for fans to check in on. It's like this is what our daily life is. Who knows? One day soon, I might do an Instagram live video when I start driving for Lyft. <laughs> <laughs> well, laugh all you want. Yeah. That's actually not a joke. Well, that's the that's what it's like. Sometimes people ask us, you know, what's it like being a musician? Should I should I pursue it? And the answer really is no. well here's the deal if you're asking if you should pursue it you probably shouldn't because i had no choice i was doomed i sure as hell wasn't asking anybody if i should do it if you know you know yeah and if you're smart enough to be weighing options and seeking counsel then no don't do it (laughs) it's a it it is it is a, a a roller coaster ride to say the least and it's it literally it's it's nothing but ups and downs. There's not many artists out there where it's an up their entire career. Um, when it's good, it's awesome. When it's bad, it's really bad. You know? Yeah, it's just tough. It's a tough. It's tough, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. So go for it. Yeah, do it. 
So you know what? Do it. <laughs> you know what? Or don't. Don't do it. I don't care. No, you know, you know what? what? You should you, not do it. You have a lot of options. Do it. Don't do it. Think about doing it. Think about not doing it. And then don't do it. <laughs> and then, by all means, for the love of Satan, don't do it. But do it. Now, here's what you should do is go over, mosey on over to clickety-clack-clack iTunes and leave us a positive review. It really helps. Here's the deal. There's like a million Metallica podcasts now. Yep. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what's going on. There's a million. But, but a, a million people have decided to start a goddamn Metallica podcast. And when the good folks like you are looking, like, I want to listen to Metallica podcast, and all million of them pop up, what you're going to do before you decide which one to jump on is you're going to look at those reviews, and you're going to see that ours has so many, and you're going to go, oh, it's probably pretty good. Probably. That's how it helps us. So if you're so inclined, if you like the show, go leave the review. really helps. We really appreciate it. We'll give you a hug and a kiss sometime when we see you. At a certain point, yeah. We have a bitchin'. Uh, website metalbrewpodcast.com we have t-shirts for sale koozies stickers buttons you can hear our EP there's all sorts of fun stuff over there it's a one stop shop you'll like it it's a one stop shop now the best way to get a hold of us and the best way to interact with us is through our email address show at gmail.com we read a handful a week mostly from the patrons because that's one of the things you get having said all of that good god let's hit the email corner please All right. Our first email is from our longtime friend and listener, Mr. Kevin Van Dam. He says, excellent episode on the covers EP. Uh, what you may or may not realize is that when you discuss music like you did on this episode, you are providing the layman like myself the language and frames of reference to think about music from a different angle. For that, I can't thank you and Brandon at Metallicast as well for exploring all these avenues uh, in a fun, accessible way. Keep it up. Well, thank you, Kevin. That's a very nice thing to say, man. And you're welcome. <laughs> well, he's right, you know, like sometimes you can really help turn someone on to something by helping them listen to it. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. No, I agree. It's like I do this with Kiss a lot, you know. Like Kiss is one of those bands where if it didn't really happen to you as a kid, it's probably not going to happen to you. Right. But I've had some friends be like, "Dude, I respect you. You're one, you know, I respect your opinion on music and you love Kiss. Help me out here." And then <laughs> yeah. I can sort of I can sort of uh, cuz I understand the problem. But then I can sort of curate maybe a 10-song thing, talk them through it. This is what the band was going through. This is what this song did for the band. This solo was recorded in this way. And that does kind of help you get turned on to shit. I mean, even as musicians, that kind of stuff still happens to people like me and Clint. You know, like Absolutely. I'll listen to something years later I haven't touched in a while. And after maybe I hear a story about the song or an experience or whatever, and all of a sudden that song takes on a whole new meaning or a whole new life on its own. And it affects me in a whole different way than it did originally. You're well. What can I say? You're correct. That is true. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Always for the good, email. Always good to hear from Kevin. One of our favorites. Andrew Belly writes, "Hey, Ethan and Clint. I was driving to work, listening to the behind the music episode, and the whole Mustaine Back to the Future explosion was hilarious. Absolutely loved it. I'm a huge Megadeth fan, but it really is pure gold when you guys launch into taking him off. Meaning <laughs> when we we've been we've been pretty hard on Mustaine the last few weeks." Oh, it's all it's, in good fun. It's in good fun. We have we have respect and love for him. Hello, he says, keep McFly. The- <laughs> <laughs> it's me again. The the butt the mascot butthole of metal. <laughs> that's my butt head of metal. <laughs> he, 
He says, keep up the great work. I especially enjoyed Binge and Purge Seattle. A mate of mine said the reason we both dig the podcast so much is because it's just like him and I having a conversation. Spot on. I think also because I'm in Melbourne and my brother lives in Indianapolis, I feel this weird connection with the podcast. It's almost like it keeps me close to him and his family. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it sounds good. Thanks again. You guys rock. Andrew Belly, Wallaby. Good day, you Wallaby. Uh, good day, that you totally dingo. makes sense. Good day, you Albatross. Um, <laughs> no, Andrew, that totally makes sense, I think. Um, something like this connects people, you know? Like, there's stuff that I listen to, whether it be a podcast or music, that maybe I don't have many friends in Nashville that I relate to on that certain band or whatever, but I might have an old friend in California that me and him just connect on that. So I totally get it. No, I mean, like, one of my best friends in the whole world is Brad Lyons. He's one of the co-hosts of the Pearl Jam Podcast, Single Podcast Theory. And, you know, Brad lives in Birmingham, and I'm in Nashville. I don't get to see him much, you know. We used to live together. We're super tight. But being able to hear him every Monday talk about a band we both love, even though he's not talking to me, makes me feel, you know, makes me feel closer to him. And so... Absolutely. Hey, spe- I totally get it. Speaking of single podcast theory, a uh, quick little uh, tangent. I was at my local watering hole I love called Red Door yesterday for a little bit. And mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, oh, you were there again? Of course. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. Weird, huh? Uh, anyways, as I was leaving, this dude it was, it was in all Predators gear because it was a game day yesterday, and I had my Pred shirt on. I was like, hey, a nice shirt, blah, blah, blah. And the guy goes, hey, man, love the podcast. And I was like, oh, which one? He's like, oh, metal up your podcast, man. I love it. I was like, no way. And then as and I was like, thanks, dude. And What's was, the deal? What he just recognized you? He just knew who I was. Yeah, it was awesome. It was like being in like I was in a band again. It's all happening. <laughs> it's happening. It's I'm, all happening. We're getting recognized. Um, <laughs> I hope you've heard that term before. Recognized. I swear to God, Ethan. As I sit here <laughs> cooking like a goddamn meat loaf in this back lounge, I've never heard that before. Oh, please use it. It's a fun one. Um, recognized, especially when you call someone else out, like, dude, you totally got recognized. Uh, anyways, oh my God. as as uh, I'm walking back to my car to leave, he turns around and goes, "Oh, by the way, uh, tell the Brads I love single podcast theory." Wow, <laughs> yeah, he listens to that one too. It was awesome. Sounds like they got recognized. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I don't think I'm using it correctly. <laughs> well, all that to say, Andrew, thank you for the email. G'day, mate. And thank you for uh, becoming a patron, Andrew. Really appreciate that. Yeah, dude. thank you. Uh, next email is from our friend Nicole Williams. Hey, guys. I what up, Nicole? What up, Nicole? Uh, I haven't seen Behind the Music in years, but I watched it a ton back in the day. That scene where they talk about the girls backstage always made me cringe. I thought maybe it was because I was a girl, but glad to hear uh, Clint had a similar reaction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um uh, it just wasn't uh, on brand for Metallica. They aren't Motley Crue or Kid Rock, who's always flaunted that stuff. I wouldn't say they've ever flaunted it. They only just mentioned it in that documentary, I guess. Yeah. They've never really, like, you know, I mean, there's video footage of them, like, hanging out with chicks and stuff, but it's not like, I don't know. I guess I've never thought, like, wow, they're so Motley Crue or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, she said, uh, I'm not naive enough to think that it wasn't happening, but it wasn't a part of Metallica's image. So I found that part of Behind the Music hard to watch. I can't tell, can't tell you how many times I've been asked if I was a Metallica groupie over the years. Because for some reason it seemed like to, uh, to be a common misconception that women can't just be fans of the music. Uh, they must be trying to sleep with the band. So annoying. Yeah, that does suck, first of all. Nicole, that's annoying. Well, it's total, it's total bullshit. That. It totally yeah, is. It's, to- it's total fucking bullshit. Yeah, listen, me and, and I, Clint are groupies. And but. I think, <laughs> like, yeah, I'll sleep with James. Look, oh, give I've me a slept loofah. with Kirk. Give me a loofah. Uh, give me some Dove liquid soap. 
I will clean James Hetfield after and, a show. And me and Clinton, six of our friends will be waiting for him in the shower. Yeah, and I and I'm straight as an arrow. I think <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. It's our duty but to I, the boys. But <laughs> no, she's right. I totally agree with Nicole about all this. Yeah, I do too. No, but seriously, were you okay. were you groupy? Seriously though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do agree with you. I think it's kind of BS. Oh, well, I think, oh sorry. I think, oh, sorry. Yeah, go I, ahead. I forgot. Uh, I was on my next printed page. You said, "P.S. Clint, enjoy your time in the Northeast this week, uh, where it's still fucking winter." It has been very cold up here. It's beautiful in Nashville today. It's like 65 and sunny. Really? Oh, it's Crap. awesome. I'm going to wash my car later with some Daisy Dukes on. Oh, Daisy Dukes. Yeah, some jorts, as you will. Going to listen to some Warrant? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have... Uh, actually, A little I'm bit th- of cherry pie? I think I'll pop some white snake, and then it, once I get kind of soaped up, then I'm going to lay on the hood of the car like Tawny Catan. <laughs> yeah. And then my wife's going to walk outside and be like, what the hell are you doing? How is that washing the car? I'm like, it's working. I'm washing it with my buttocks washing the car washing the car all right our next email is from smoky musket he says first off good morning brothers i think that's actually good morning brothers there it is he says another great show again laughing so hard my boss was asking what was going on metallica are hands down my favorites and i've been in full metal saturation mode for the last six months your podcast has just been great it's like sitting and hashing out music and metallica with great Eddie Murphy movies with some buds. <laughs> Dude, The Golden Child was on the bus the other night. Ooh, that's a good one. And I was like, everyone, shut up. We're watching shut The up. Golden Child. Hey, you're on the road. You know what's on Netflix right now that's incredible? It's Trading Places. Oh, love it. Love so, it. Oh, great movie. All right, cool. He says, love the show. Keep it up. The Mustaine voice slays me every time I hear it. A Mustaine Torben movie review show would just kill. Cyrus from Durango, Colorado. Well, you never know. You never know. I don't know if I could do that voice for a whole episode. Though. Yeah, you would lose your voice. Yeah, and I, and I think we would lose a lot, a lot of listeners. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "Oh man, this podcast is going downhill quick." Thank you, Cyrus from Durango. Thanks, man. Our next email is from Anthony Cortez. A little d- disappointed to hear Clint say this is the only pl- this is only planned out to be a three to five year five year project. He's talking about the podcast. Uh, I know the band's future is up in the air, and hopefully, we'll get much more new Metallica music. But I am now a fan of both of you for life and hope you keep this podcast up as long as you can. Thanks always for reading and giving uh, giving us fellow Metallica nerds cool shit to enjoy. With love and respect from San Antonio, Texas, New Jersey, Anthony. Um, yeah, I mean, you can only take these things so far, I guess. Well, how many times, I mean, yeah, how many times can we talk about Ride the Lightning? At least 46. In a, in a way that's interesting to thousands of people. Like, you and I will likely be talking about Creeping Death for the rest of our lives. Sure. And our friendship together. But, Welcome to the Melody Podcast, episode five thousand four hundred thirty-two. <laughs> this is Ride the Lightning, part fifty-six. How okay. about that bridge to Creeping Death, man? So How about good. that thing? You know that, and Kirk, you know what? Kirk really good that? live. Yeah, Kirk wrote that. <laughs> oh man! No, yeah. I do appreciate that. I mean, who knows, man? We've we we have talked about branding the podcast to something beyond Metallica. Maybe talking about. Music in general, we're gonna. We wanted to do a series this year. We may not have time, but we wanted to do a series called uh, Clint Ethan Explore the Big Four, where we choose records from the Big Four and do do a whole review, like do a track by track. You know, right, sort yeah. of explore Anthrax's discography, Megadeth Slayers. Um, we 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 have a lot of interest in doing some bonus episodes where we watch Coming to America together. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I want to do that more than anything. Oh my gosh! I wonder if that's as soon as you get home, we should do that. 
But you know, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer that projects should end. Like, I think great shows should end. Songs need to end. Stories have to end. And so, when I think about this project, I think about it being three to five years and it being a body of work we're really proud of, where we were able to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, give yeah. away a lot of stuff to give back to Metallica fans. Right. And that 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 you know that resonates with me about how I kind of want it to be a legacy in that way. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And then uh, then after that we'll be like, welcome to Podcast in Peace or Podcast to Extinction, the All Megadeth podcast hosted by Dave Mustaine. Yeah. Hello. Hello. This is episode forty five. We do appreciate the sentiment, though, uh, Anthony. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony. Alan Philadelphia, who, as we all heard earlier, became a patron, writes. Hi, guys. I was excited to see a revisited episode pop up on my podcast feed, and at first I thought it was about color our world blackened. Um, There's this new YouTube project by a guy named Metfan Mike where he's trading Metallica memorabilia with other Metallica fans all over the world, and the idea is once he he gets that region of the world, he colors it black on the map. And so he wants to literally color the world blackened. Well, if you want to to color Tennessee blackened, you can trade something with me and Clint. We already got it in the pipeline. He uh, he reached out to me, and we are going to be a part of the Color Our World Black and campaign for yeah. Tennessee. So anyway, he has a YouTube channel if you guys want to follow that. It looks pretty bitchin'. So anyway, uh, Alan is saying he thought it might be that. He says, uh, I've never been a big fan of Metallica covers because I've always thought nobody's going to do it better than Metallica, so what's the point? But I found your take on the songs interesting because you weren't just copying them, but taking inspiration and lyrics from them to do your own thing. So I decided to become a patron, thank you, and get myself a copy of the EP. He says, the next morning I was listening on my way to work when your version of Fixer came on. I consider James's singing another musical instrument in the song, so even though I sing along whenever I'm listening to Metallica, I don't always focus on the lyrics very much. Your version gave me a chance to really hear and connect to the words to the song for the first time. Next thing I know, my eyes were welling up and I was wiping away tears. Oh, buddy. He, he says, note, I am a six foot two, 200-pound bearded Canadian male and not prone to having emotional breakdowns <clears throat> in my car. He says, I listened to the song again later in the day to see if it was just the morning sun in my eyes that had affected me earlier. And although I didn't cry this time, the song did make the hairs on my arm stand up. So thank you for opening me up to an even deeper part of the Metallica experience. Sincerely, Alan from Regina, Saskatchewan, New Jersey, Canada. Most people don't know this, but Canadian tears are actually maple syrup. Yeah, you can just put them right on a waffle. Yeah, if if you're sad one morning, just cry over your waffle and you'll be ready to eat. Remember that uh, Fly to the Concord song when he's like, I'm not crying. It's just been raining on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're I think they're going on tour or something, bringing that back. Let's 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 hear a little bit of that tune. Let's insert a clip here. Let's do it. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. It's just been raining on my face. And if you think you see some tear tracks down my cheeks, please, please, don't tell my mates. I'm not crying. No, I'm not crying. And if I am crying, it's not because of you. Because I'm thinking about a friend of mine You don't know who is dying That's right, dying These aren't tears of sadness Because you're leaving me I've just been cutting onions 
Man, those dudes are top notch. You know, you know, they write all that. They're they're great oh, yeah. writers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, a- Alan, thank you for writing in and letting us know that you know you were moved by the EP, and thank you for being willing to admit that you have feelings too. As a six foot two bearded Canadian. <laughs> all right. All right. Next email. We got, is a, from, we got a few more. A few more, and we'll get into the episode. Uh, next email is from Brandon Horton. He says, great job on the EP. You both put a, a, a different and interesting spin on the songs. Clint, I'm digging the Lunar Satan tracks. Your solo on Set the Witch on Fire again is killer. The first time I heard it, uh, I felt some black and solo influence in there. Uh, great job. Looking forward to the next track. Uh, I've also started the podcast over from episode one. I'm having a blast getting things I missed the first time. Also hearing uh, some great stuff again. The Church Giggles. Keep up the great work. Take care, Brandon. Uh, thanks, man. Nice. That's very kind. Very kind words. Thanks, Brandon. Glad you're digging Lunar Satan, too. That, that means a lot to me. Uh, Danny Taylor writes, Dudes, both episodes of this week were cool listens. One thing I really appreciate as a bass player about the EP is that both of you on your songs chose not to play the bass like a guitar. The bass on these jams really is tasteful and serves the music. Usually when I hear someone go on about how they wrote and were in control of the whole project, I can tell when their main thing is vocals or guitar or whatever. We get none of that with these songs. And I still dig how, they, how well they all feel and, as well as how they sound. He says, sorry, Ethan, the only gripe I have is on Sanitarium, and it's me, not you. When I'm singing along Sanitarium to your Sanitarium. He says, I immediately laugh as I hear my singer friends getting on the background singers about when I sing this, you don't sing that. He says, the singer from my main gig says that's why he doesn't share the mic with people from the crowd anymore. (laughs) Anyway... Anyway, keep rocking, dudes. Danny Taylor. Thank well, you, Danny. I, I get it. I mean, I, I think that's kind of a way I sing a lot. Um, sometimes I think the tone of my voice sounds better to maybe change something phonetically a little bit. Um, but I totally get it. Yeah, I technically should have sang sanitarium because that's the word. But, uh, hey, man, listen. It's my cover, man. And guess what? It is Look, you, not me. And I have not mentioned this in quite a long time. But let's talk a little bit about pizza and flavors and <laughs> toppings. Let's open that okay. fridge back up. Let's open the. Let's see what's going on in the fridge. Now listen, we all have our different flavors. We all like different kinds of pizza. But here's the most important thing: we all like pizza. Mmm, pizza. Give me pizza. You know, Art Bell passed away. Yeah. Are you ever a Coast to Coast fan? Uh, I I I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I used to listen to it on tour in the middle of the night while you're driving coast to coast. <laughs> That's 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 the jam. That coast to coast has kept me from crashing a van so many times because you're just tired. You're trying to stay. Oh, up, yeah. Trying to get you're trying to get your dudes to the next terrible show, and Art Bell comes on. And the like, what I loved about him is someone would call in and it'd be the craziest shit. Like, uh, hello, um, I'm from uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, aliens captured me last night and rubbed peanut butter all over my butt. And now I realize that I've been Elvis Presley this whole time. And Art Bell just not even miss a beat. You go, go ahead, call her. Go ahead, call her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good, man. <laughs> he was just so into it, man. Yeah. He's so pure. Anyway, well, I don't know the- why I brought that up. I don't know either, but hey, why not? Maybe someone who hasn't listened to Coast to Coast, maybe they can you know, find the archives now and take, and take a listen. All right, one All right more, our last email. One more email. This is from Ryan Inderleid. Uh, uh, Hey guys, I just want to say that I'm really stoked about the next covers EP you're working on. Please do where the wild things are. Clint, I know you said you want to do that one. And I hope it makes the cut. It's probably my number one underrated Metallica song. Something other than uh, a dr- something about that drum beat at the beginning, then cool guitar riff, just awesome. 
And I'm totally looking forward to hearing Whiskey in a Jar. It's my favorite cover by Metallica. Ethan, I would love to hear your take on Metal Militia or the Four Horsemen. Uh, you killed it on sanita- Sanitarium. <laughs> and <laughs> with a completely different spin on it, I'd love to hear uh, hear you put your spin on these songs, too. Keep the crazy train going, guys. Oh, we will. We're going to keep it wacky here. Oh, we will. Keep it, keep oh, it nutty. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. We will. We'll do that. Me, Clint, uh, and all of our nutty friends listening. Thanks, Ryan. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the email. Boom. All right, dude. Let's talk about 1983. <laughs> 1983. Back in 1983, Metalus Maximus was promoting a concert, a rock and roll concert in San Francisco. <laughs> what just happened? Wow. Um, <laughs> Lifetimes of the Royal and the Fabus. So this is this is like Metallica's first like pretty busy year outside of 81, 82, forming the band, writing all that stuff. It's it, it, this is an insanely exciting year for the band. Absolutely, and you know it, it left off with Johnny Z had gotten the No Life to a Leather tape, and it, w- wait, that, that already happened right in '82. He'd already heard. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, '82. So now w- the first kind of major event in the Metallica history, uh, having to do in '83, is February fifteenth. The band moved to San Francisco. On the premise that they wanted this bass player, Cliff Burton, Ramagovni's out. Ramagovni couldn't handle any more of Dave Mustaine's shit. He had quit, he had and I think, to... in December of '82. So they they see Trauma play in L.A. They're courting Cliff. Cliff says, "Look, I dig you guys. I want to be in your band, but you got to move to San Francisco." Metallica boys already kind of didn't dig L.A., so they pack up everything they have and they drive up north, fatefully, to San Fran and Cisco. Mm. Or or as the locals call it, Frisco. And I'm what I'm guessing is because they they played a show March 5th, their first show with Cliff, and I'm guessing that they spent you know the next 20 days rehearsing. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'd imagine you know by the time they moved to San Francisco, Cliff's probably already learning songs on his own and things like that. But I mean, yeah, you don't have much time between when they moved there to Cliff's first show, and so he yeah he was probably rehearsing with the dudes, getting the songs down. But this, well, you I mean, know, and, and you know how it goes too. Like you can sit in your room and learn a tune, but until you're in a room with some people, that's when you really know if it's magic. And I, I like to think of, you know, them finally getting in that room and playing Whiplash or something. Oh yeah, and, I, and I, just being like, oh, this this is our dude. He's the guy. Yeah, we're glad we moved here, Cliff. <laughs> Thank um, you, Cliff. So what, what's cool about this very first show? Uh, there's some really cool stuff that happened at the show. Uh, first of all, the show was called The Night of the Banging Head, and the uh, opening acts were Exodus and Laz Rocket. It sounds like it sounds like I'm saying Laz. <laughs> Laz Rocket. Uh, Laz Rocket and, and Kirk's old band Exodus, or uh, actually technically Kirk's current band at the time. Yep, that's right. Um, and also, this night was the live debut of Anesthesia. Awesome. God, Which the, I guess he he was kind of playing that in trauma, right? Yeah, I mean, he was. But, the you know... The live debut of him and Metallica. He plays this for the Love first it. time. I mean, the people at that show were probably like, what in the hell is this bass player? This is amazing. Yeah, it was at the Stone, right? The Night of the Banging Head. Yeah, the Night the night of the Banging Head. Um, and it was, it and was they put, even have Metal Up Your Ass on the poster. Yeah, it was It was on the poster. Uh, you can see the poster if you haven't on Metallica.com, if you, uh, you go through their years and their timeline. Um, 
But uh, one cool thing uh, that I found online was uh, someone a quote from a fan that was at the show said, Cliff did a stage dive, helped him up. He headbutted me, went about his business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading that exactly how it's written, like a period yeah, after yeah, each yeah. thing. Because <laughs> people, if you go to Metallica's website and look at like old shows and tour dates, people can comment. Yeah, that's all it says. Cliff did a stage dive, period. Helped him up, period. He headbutted me, period. Went about his business, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. How about the fact that the second song they played was not the Four Horsemen, but the Mechanics? I know, because you still got wow. old Mustaine Mustaine sitting there playing guitar or standing there, whatever. How about how about James singing those shit lyrics? Yeah, I mean, it's fun to hear the Megadeth version uh, of what became the Four Horsemen. However, mm, is it? <laughs> well, I, is like, it? I like it. Do you? Uh, do you, Dave? Does it? Um. I mean, for me, I guess as a Megadeth fan, it is fun to hear. But I mean, hands down, obviously, I, I prefer the Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah. I think I think <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners are big Megadeth fans. I know that, but I think we can all agree we all prefer the Four Horsemen. And honestly, for for those riffs that the, the shared riffs of the, of those two songs, man, the mechanics is just way too damn fast. You know, it's it's more Megadethy, but it's like, come on, it those those riffs like sing them better on their own when they're slower right yeah but it's not thrash metal when it's not it's it has to be fast (laughs) yeah let me mom i'm look my mom let me sign on to her aol 3.0 tonight and i'm here on the forums to say it's not fast enough it has to be faster I'm on dial-up, so it's going to take six days to send this message but let me know when you receive it (laughs) you'll get it in 2018 March 16th, they record the demos for Whiplash and No Remorse at KUSF Studios. And this is this is notable as it is the only recording to feature the Heltfeld, Ulrich, Burton, Mustaine lineup. Yeah, that's crazy because, you know, a lot of people think that Cliff Burton... <laughs> yeah! Uh, yeah! <laughs> a lot of people think that Cliff Burton was on No Laugh to Leather. He was not. That was Ron McGovern. He was just credited on the cassette. Right, I mean, they they believe that with good reason. He was credited for it. Right, I thought that until I well, found out the truth. <laughs> I know. Well, did the truth set you free? As as we've been told, our whole lives would happen. Oh, I'm I'm as free as a country song. Oh boy, oh boy, you're hitting close to home with me. Ooh, sorry. Too soon. April. <laughs> moving on to April. April first, Kirk Hammond is called to join the band. So they've they've decided that they're going to kick Dave out. And they've already sort of gotten the ball rolling to replace him, right? Oh, yeah. They don't actually they don't actually fire Dave until the 11th. Right. Yeah. So there's about 11 days here that uh the I mean the boys probably knew before they even got to the East Coast this is happening. I don't know if I, the thing that always confused me is, is like did it really take a, a freaking U-Haul drive from San yes, Francisco to dude. New York to finally decide? Absolutely. They'd never traveled with this motherfucker before. You know yeah, how that is. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I the just... longest the longest they'd ever traveled with him was up to San Francisco. And what's crazy is that when they got up there, didn't Dave like stay at Cliff's grandmother's house? He didn't even stay with them. Like I don't even think they ever really liked him. Yeah, that's that sucks. It's just I mean, and, it's understandable, but it's 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 so strange to me. And it's not like they drove out to Johnny Z's like in a tour bus. Like they were in like a U-Haul 
I mean, that's just a cross-country drive. You learn a lot about yourself and your travel mates. Oh, yeah. Under under that type of duress. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I could totally see them being like, I mean, who knows? Maybe it was like, he was just kind of annoying and shit. Maybe there was just like one night where he, he got into a fight with James or something. And James was like, this motherfucker is out of here. Yeah, done. Um, I do love that when Kirk got the call, he thought it was an April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess Metallica was that well known in the Bay Area to where he thought, oh, Metallica wants me to join. It must be a joke, you know? Well, yeah, it's obviously on April 1st, April Fool's Day. And, you know, they were already probably at the very least acquaintances because of Exodus. Um, yeah, but I, was that, maybe that was just a big thing back then, but I don't even consider April Fool's, I don't even think of it. So right. if something happened to me on the 1st of April and they'd be like, oh, April Fool's, that that's not true. I'm like, what? I oh, mean, you know, it, April Fool's, right? Like, t- this is the day that you can lie to people. It's funny. It's April Fool's. <laughs> what? No. No, it's not funny. Clint it's not funny. We're grown doesn't like April Fool's. So, mental note to everybody, don't prank him on April Fool's Day. Well, now we're beyond it now, aren't we? So, Well, it's going to happen again, maybe. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. A, 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 don't be so presumptuous. Man. Well, here's the thing. Going back to our email section, if April Fool's next year doesn't happen, then guess what? Neither is this podcast. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So we fast forward a little bit, a little over a week. Mustaine is playing his last show and still completely unknowing that he's about to get fired two days later. I wonder if he did kind of... Has he gone on record and said like he was completely shocked by it? I, I Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, in in the Megadeth behind the music and the Metallica one, he, he, he acts really shocked and he's depressed on the bus ride home and this and that. I mean, when he was on stage at the show on April 9th, and this was in New York, I believe, um, he, <laughs> that poor dude is probably up there going like, this is the best life ever. I cannot wait for the future of this band. We're about to make a record. It's going to be amazing. True. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I think it's in some kind of monster where he's like, you know, do because, you know, he has two voices. He has the, hello, I'm, yeah. he has the sweating bullets guy. And then he has the, well, you know, do I wish that you had woken me up that day and, and, and told me, hey, uh, you know, you need to go to AA? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's their job to fucking get him in AA when they're all 20 years old and they're alcoholics, too. And they're all drinking like crazy. <laughs> My question is, because I, I, was, I, was I don't know if you found it, but I was trying to look up the exact date of Kirk's flight. Like, I, I wonder if he was already there, like... Hanging with Johnny Z or something, or like in the studio already. He's like uh, in a bunker, like Osama bin Laden. Like they just got him. <laughs> they got him underground. <laughs> he's down there with his black and white flying V, just going. Yeah, he's got like a Walkman, and every every like eighteen hours, they slide him a pancake, or just some peanut butter and jelly for his hand. They just give him like just a whole container of like half used mustard. And non-chunky Jif. He hasn't seen daylight in fucking ten days. He's like a vampire, Kirk von Hammerschmidt vampire down that's there. Where he, that's where he got his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I have often wondered that though. I wonder, like, it puts the mustard on its hands. He's in a hole in Johnny Z's basement, <laughs> and he's just bucketing down lotion to Kirk. Here's a jar of mayonnaise and a straw. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that's thank, a funny riff, dude. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, thank you, sire. <laughs> it is an interesting thing, though, to think that like, did they fire him and then fly him out? Because I mean, 
we'll get we'll get here soon to his first show. It was only a couple. It was like five days after they fired Mustaine, so Kirk had to be ready to play. So he was probably. I imagine they'd rehearse with him in between the 11th and the 16th of April. But um, so let's just move on. I guess April 11th, Metallica officially fires Davy David Mustaine. Yeah. Well, he had to go. Yes. And you know, and like if we're gonna be nicer to Dave and more fair to Dave, he had to go because he had his own destiny to fulfill. You know, like he really Me- did. Megadeth. Megadeth is a is a kick ass band with great riffs, great great playing. A great legacy and millions of fans all over the world. You know, so I don't know if a guy like Dave Mustaine, especially back in the eighties, had he stayed in Metallica, I don't know if he'd be any or happy happier or depressed than being in Megadeth. I think that's just his yeah. personality and and especially being an addict for a long time. It would ultimately I think it wouldn't have mattered if he stayed in Metallica or not. He still would have been self destructive as he was in Megadeth. Well, didn't he like someone was talking about his behind the music? Uh, Megadeths, yeah, and it was like by the time that they had made that, I mean that that wasn't that long after Metallica's, right? What their that, first record? The, no, no, the the Megadeths behind the music. Oh yeah, they weren't too they weren't too far apart from each other. I, well, I don't they, remember if it was the same season or not. But. but they say they say in that Megadeth behind the music that by that point Dave had already been through rehab like fifteen times. Gosh, <laughs> I mean, like, if anyone, yeah, I mean, if any of us you and I or any listeners have known an addict you know that sometimes that happens and an addict yeah, not yeah. want to get fixed until they want to get fixed and hit rock well, bottom fif- and you know yeah 15's a lot man yeah it's quite a bit and I think it was That's... more I mean he kept going back and forth rehab into the 90's and stuff wow I mean back when I they need, did I... back it's in the if you haven't watched the Megadeth behind the music Clint you definitely should because um, Lars and James are in it it's really awesome but uh I mean, there was a point where I think where they were filming the video for Megadeth's cover of Alice Cooper's "No More, Mr. Nice Guy." For no a... more, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> Basically, but um... tell it to the Reader's Digest. <laughs> um. Anyways, I think it was that uh, what's her name Penelope that did uh, the, the downfall of Western civilization. Uh, I forget her last name. Penelope Spears, maybe. Anyways, she's. I think she filmed Ooh. that video and was talking about how he had basically had to be held up to fil- film the video because he was so like in a heroin spiral or something. Well, speaking of him going to rehab in the '90s, I could have been put into some sort of intervention type situation for some of the clothing I wore in the '90s. <laughs> big big Jinkos phase. Big clown airwalks. Clown shoe airwalks. Uh, my name is Clint Wells. Hi, Clint, and. Uh, I too uh, wear Jankos. Hi, I wear Jankos and Alien Workshop sweatshirts that are XXXL, and I'm a Biohazard fan. Uh, hey, hey, man. Um, my name's Paul. Hey, Paul. Um, so you wore that, and did, you're not a skater? <laughs> nope. I even had a skateboard and wasn't a skater. <laughs> you just had it just in case. It's kind of like when you I go to an, a, a dude's house, and it's like, oh, cool, man. You play guitar? He's like, nah. Yeah, I had an Alien Workshop skateboard. Why? Why? Well, we should have been friends. I would have taught you how to skate. So we got Kirk's first show, which, you know, I'm guessing he did a good job and ripped it because now the lineup is in place, at least through 1986. We got them all together. All the elements are together. They're there. It's like Voltron forming. By May 3rd, they sign with Megaforce, of course, Johnny Z's label, Johnny Z and Marsha. Uh, and then they released Kill 'Em All a few months later. 
And we all, of course, we all know they wanted to call it Metal Up Your Ass. The, the phrase Metal Up Your Ass is featured on many of these initial posters for their shows up in the oh, yeah. area. Uh, they were worried that they wouldn't be able, there would be censorship issues and that certain retailers wouldn't carry it, so they changed it to Kill Em All. I prefer the title Kill Em All. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a good title. I love the cover. I mean, that cover is iconic. Oh, very iconic. Are you kidding me? The hammer, the blood, the hand. It's great. Um, and kind of, I guess, backtracking a tad bit because we're kind of talking about the record right now, but May 10th is when Kill Em All, the Kill em All recording sessions began. Right. Um, at Music America in May 1983, obviously, Johnny Zazula was the executive producer, produced by Paul Curcio. I still can't ever find who mixed this record, so I'm assuming Paul did, because a lot of yeah, producers will mix. Did. Yeah, Here's an interesting fact that I, that I kind of just you know went through and did the ever-so-complicated math on, was <laughs> that at this point, Cliff had only played nine shows, and Kirk had only played five by the time they started recording right. this record. That's insane. Yeah. They were just ready to rock, man. Which, which it makes all the more sense that like he basically just played Mustaine solos on the record because he didn't have any time to write any. I still contend to you that he didn't play the whole solos. He played the he played like first sixteen bars. Yeah, but it's that's still a, a few quite a few bars. Um, I mean, if you if you yeah, go yeah. if you go listen to um, No Laugh to Leather, like you know, which I don't want to, to. I really don't want to. <laughs> and but then go listen to Kill 'Em All. It's like you know. He pulled a lot from from what Dave wrote, you know, and justifiably Dave was pissed, but you know, whatever, man, that's the biz. Well, Dave Mustaine, like famously in some guitar magazine, was like in 1985. I'm gonna try to find it. The old snarky dickhead Mustaine was like, "Yeah, it, funny how Kirk Hammett won Guitar Player of the Year after playing the the you know the lead breaks from all of my solos on Kill 'Em All." <laughs> He's like giving a journalist shit. The journalist is like, "Uh, wait, guitar okay. pl- guitar player of the year, like what?" Eight years later? Well, this is in 85. Oh, is that when he won it? Kirk won it. But I they're, interviewing, he, oh. they're interviewing Dave for, like, whatever. Whatever their first stupid record is. <laughs> and, of course, what's Dave talking about? Not his work, but Metallica, because he's obsessed with it. Yeah, I, he still is, man. I'm- Dude, I would bet you the Metallica hoodie I'm sweating through right now. That if for some reason Kirk retired or something happened to Kirk, Dave would want the gig. He would leave everything he's built with Megadeth and join Metallica. You know, I think he would love more is to not get the gig and then talk about it for another thirty years. Well, that's going to happen anyway. That, <laughs> that's that's the current state of things. It, you know, I, we, I know we're kind of beating a dead horse with this, but it really bums me out because Dave is a true like monster talent in the metal world and an innovator and has written some of the most unique riffs in metal. Just enjoy that, dude. Enjoy it. You're a great musician. I love your records. Just enjoy the hell out of it. You've made a legacy for yourself, man. Let's talk about them making uh, with Paul Curcio, which he's, you know, very little is known about this dude, really, and, and those sessions. But what we do know is they talk about, obviously, they were super green. All they'd ever really done before that is made about 700,000 demos in Ron, Ron McGovney's garage. Right, yeah. And the whiskey demo, the power metal demo, and, the, you know, all No Life to Leather. And then, um, but, the, you know, they talk about how they, the Metallica we've come to know not that much later after this is a very hands on, very controlling force in the Hetfield and Ulrich duo. Right, yeah. But this record, they were like, we didn't really know, so we just sort of hung back and let them do whatever. And 
It's amazing that it sounds as good as it does. It's sort of a testament to the raw power of the band at the time. And I love that old old Lars back then was loving that ride cymbal, which he's abandoned in recent decades. Yeah, he's playing he's playing traditional ride cymbal on Kill 'Em All. Yeah, as thankfully. opposed to the China ride. So the record comes out on July 25th. So in in you know they made it. They started working on it on May 10th. It took however long to record it. Then you got to send it off and get it mixed and mastered and pressed, and you got to. Good stuff ready. That looks like a pretty reasonable timeline, couple of months. I, I would say it's a it's a pretty short timeline considering and this is obviously pre digital music and you know, getting well, vinyl you know? Yeah, it was a budget of fifteen thousand and a brand new band, debut record, kind of a mom and pop label. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess they're, they're, well, they also they weren't spending they weren't spending a lot of money like promoting it or anything. I mean, they didn't right. really have they didn't have like a big rollout plan, you know. Well, and they probably also had to get they also probably want to get this record out before the Kill 'Em All for One tour started. Absolutely, you got to promote that shit on the road. We're gonna which kill that all started, of you tonight. Which that started two days later. Yeah, uh, co- co-headline with Raven. They had a record out called All for One. Of course, Kill 'Em All. Hence the cleverly titled Kill 'Em All for One tour. Well. I think it's also very, very important to note that the Kill 'Em All for One tour started where? Of course, New Jersey. Oh boy, Brunswick. Brunswick, New Jersey. That's where it all. You know what? That's where it all begins and where it all ends. It's they're going to make a Matrix Part Six about New Jersey because that's where, where Neo <laughs> lives underground and yeah, all the other Morpheus and all the other characters from that movie that I don't remember. Right. <laughs> You know what we watched last night on the bus? What's that? That I, rem- that I remembered every line from, much to the intense chagrin of my fellow passengers, is the movie Swingers with John Favreau. Oh, you're so money, you don't even know your money. Oh my God, the Nikki scene, dude. Oh, dude. Oh God, you're like a you're like a you're like a wolf. And <laughs> that movie, no, she's that- like she's like a bunny, and you're like a wolf with fangs. I'm like, what do you do with these? What do you do with this? Do you have these fangs and these claws? You're so fucking money, and you don't even know it, Mike. Dude, that. <laughs> Movie again, another recommendation. You know what? Actually, I want to insert a clip of them um, when they when they're playing ice hockey, the ice hockey yeah, yeah. game in the apartment. I want to insert a brown? clip of that. Is, is he, he brown? brown? Is, is he, he clean? clean? Is he clean, Michael? Let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on the fourth floor. The elevator's broken. Okay. Dude, it's fucked up. Would you buzz him in? Hit nine. I wish they still had fights in this game so I could bitch slap Wayne. Wait a minute, I'm fighting anymore? Know, doesn't that suck? Why'd they get rid of the fighting? It's the best part of the old version. I think kids were hitting each other or something, man. Yeah, but you know what, Mike? You can make their heads bleed on this one. Make somebody's head bleed? Oh, we're in playoffs. I'm gonna make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed for super fan number 99 over here. Mm. Mikey, get the door. Yeah, give me some money. Why do I have to give you money? Give me some fucking money. I'm not paying again. Jesus Christ. Pause the game. Dude, I'm about to do my thing with the with the thing here. Pause the game. I got fucking Wayne. Pause it. All right, I'll pause it. Jesus Believe Christ. It. Like you've scored all day. How much do you want? Just give me some money, man. Okay, fine. Take, take my last one here. Jesus fucking Christ. There it is, Mikey. Check it out. His head's bleeding. Mikey, check it out. His legs, little Wayne's legs are shaking fucking all over. Fucking bitch! What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You little fucking bitch. What the fuck are you? Why don't you unpause it? Come yeah, on, man. Come on, Peter. Come dude, on, Dude, get the fuck off me. Come on. You know dude, what? I'm Look not at you. kidding. Look at you. I'm not Look kidding. Look at you. You want to kiss me. Look at you. Get the fuck off. Get off. Look at you right now. Get the fuck off me. You're fucking making me sick. You want to kiss me. I'm fucking sick. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Oh, there's a fucking pink dot guy. Hold on. Hey, Mikey. 
Mikey, is he cute? Is he brown? If he'd like to come in and join us for a cocktail, Michael. Is Michael, he a brown if he's man? polite, if, he, if he's polite, have him come in. Michael, if he's polite, let him in. Is he clean? Have him come look. Have him take off his shoes. Michael, is he clean? I want to see him. Michael, I want to see him. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. Keep your shit off. cool. I'm serious. Oh, he got away from us. I'm sorry, Michael. Was he nice? You, know, you guys are assholes. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, this was a fairly independent <laughs> movie back then. Vince Vaughn, John Favreau. Um, yeah. God, th- I watched this movie, I, I mean, at least 100 times, dude. I loved Swingers because I was also kind of getting into like, I'd already gotten into like the Stray Cats and Brian Setzer stuff. Um, oh, there's a lot of that. It's this great kind of L.A. It's not a noir film, but it's kind of got these noir elements and then the swing music is all in there. Well, I mean, it's that got about, obviously huge in the in the mid to late '90s with like Brian yeah. Setzer Orchestra and stuff, and uh, well, Cherry Big Pop Bad, and Daddies, Zoot Suit Riot. Yeah, uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy is in the movie. Right, um, right. It, it's so cool. If you haven't seen it, that's a great one. And the one they made together after that called Made. If you Made. haven't seen that, is so awesome. Amazing. One of my favorite lines in that whole movie is uh, the guy goes, "Are you strapped?" And he goes, "Am I what?" He goes, "Are you strapped?" He goes, "It means are you carrying a gun?" He's like, "I know what it means." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what it means. I like oh, when they're man. trying to. I like when they're trying to get into the club, and Dustin Diamond, who played Screech, like they won't let him into this club, and Dustin Diamond just walks in VIP, and he's like, "Man, you're gonna let Screech in the fucking club?" He's like, "Yes, I'm gonna let Screech in the club." Yeah, <laughs> Vince Vaughn plays such a good. Just he's so annoying in the best way. But I love that in Swingers, he's kind of a hero, right? And John and John Favreau is a fuck up. But in Made, Vince Vaughn is just a total clown. Oh my gosh! Who can't, who can't get it together? Oh, it's great. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, back back to 1983 with Metallica. So they go on that tour. Now that tour, that was their first real tour. Yes. Yeah. Thirty was it? Thirty two cities. 30, yeah, thirty two cities. cities. Yeah. Uh, it went on until September third, 1983. As you know, touring. I mean, I remember my my first real tour. Man, it was it was like fifty two days. 39 shows and it was just gone for eight weeks just doing the whole country oh yeah this is my first time in almost every major city in the country and that's some eye-opening shit it really is and usually if you're at least from in my experience when you're like a brand new band you go on your first tour i think ours was like six weeks and we're doing like six shows a week um it was grueling but uh it was one of the best times of my life but because it's like you're a newer band and stuff you're not always hitting these major cities which i notice on the tour dates for this tour there's a lot of, I mean, B, C, D, E, F markets, yeah. if you will, like right. Tyler, Texas, some town in Oklahoma I've never heard of, things like that. Like it was really when you know Metallica now, you're like, wait, they played Tyler, Texas. I know Tyler is a bigger city now, but back then it probably wasn't. So it was interesting to see how, how many small little places they played. Well, and for the and for those of you who maybe don't know a little bit about the sort of the politics and the engineering of a tour. Is so you have your management who they sort of oversee your whole deal. Right. They help you. They help you make a record. They help you fire a guy. I mean, Johnny Z was the one who gave them a thousand dollars to even get out to New York. Yeah. Uh, they they help you make deals and sign contracts. Now, one of the things they do is they say, "Hey, we've got this band. They need to go on tour." There's a whole separate side of music that's a booking agency. And there are some kind of the big ones that sort of run. It's like Ticketmaster, you know. There's William Morris, right. and there's CAA. Now, when you're Johnny Z and you're running a record label out of your house in New Jersey, it's probably they probably didn't have the reach of a William Morris. Oh but no! They, but but what they needed to do is get these motherfuckers out on the road so they could sell records and sell T-shirts and build exposure. 
So they probably had to do some uh, equivalent mom and pop type booking agency who really only knew promoters or had deals with venues in B and C and D markets. Right, exactly. So the idea is you go to those markets, you build a fan base, and then the next time around, you can sell more tickets. And then the next time around, hopefully, you can have a bigger dog like CAA or William Morris help you book a better tour in A markets at better venues, blah, 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 et cetera. Exactly. That's a that's a that's a that's a good a good way of describing it, Clint. Great job. It's so hot back here, dude. <laughs> I told you. Are you are you glistening right now? I'm just getting hot. Yeah, it's no big deal. We're tell, almost done. Tell me more. Money mm, more. Money more. What is that? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> tell me more. Oh, I was thinking of. Uh, tell me more. Tell me more. Grease. Wow, I like your grease voice. That's kind of like the East Coast. Yeah, totally. Was, was it love at first sight? It's like <laughs> it's like East Coast pop punk. Oh yeah, <laughs> my mom won't let me go to the mall. Oh yeah, parents just don't understand, Dad. Yeah, I'm gonna color your face black and Dad, <laughs> because Blink One Eighty Two told me to. To begin whipping dance of the dead, Dad. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're not even in the same room, and I can't hold a straight face. But I can't what do you think you're something? Right you think now. you're holier than thou, Dad? <laughs> what do you know about the struggle within, Dad? <laughs> you have no idea, Dad. And uh, listen, uh, don't don't take it out on my sister, Sweet Amber. Listen, you don't know what it's like to go to school every day, twisting, turning through the never, Dad. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> I could seriously sit here and do the this mini kid into Metallica songs yelling at his dad for, oh my for seriously for the rest of the day. Oh yeah. Listen, Dad, this is end of passion play. <laughs> Son, I'm your source of self destruction. I'm madly in anger with you, Mom. <laughs> Freaking butthole. Stab your back so you <laughs> don't even get me started on you, Grandma. <laughs> Your your Christmas presents suck. Yeah, I don't want clothes anymore. God dang it. I want a Nintendo. I want a Nintendo and Metallica cassettes. Or CDs and long boxes. Yeah. Give me Garage Days Revisited or seriously, frick off. <laughs> frick off. I remember just like sort of like dipping the toe in the water of profanity as a kid. You're like, can I really say this? You know, even with your oh, friends yeah. privately, you're like... Can we say this? I had friends that like I went to church with that would like replace, you know, curse words with whatever else. And I had a friend, I kid you not, that replaced the word fuck with fire truck. I'm not kidding. Oh, dude, I was known like, in the what playground. What fire truck? Dude, I, I was known in the playground for singing Suck My Kiss, Red Chili Peppers. You know that tune? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, the lyric is, I am what I am. Most motherfuckers don't give a damn. Now, that was the lyric. Yeah. Which I sort of half loved and was half offended by. By being, I was a young kid. I didn't know what to do with that information. Sure, but I loved the song. So I was known in the courtyard for saying, or the playground for saying, "I am what I am." Most mother truckers don't give a beaver's damn. I would say beaver's damn. <laughs> a beaver's damn. I am what I am. Most mother truckers don't give a beaver's damn. <laughs> You're still saying damn. <laughs> that was my, that was my clever what, loophole. I have my bass right now. I'm gonna try. I don't have the hollow body here, but I think bum, I'm, bum, bum. 
Isn't isn't suck my kiss this one? Yes. Uh. Uh. It's something like that. I have to remember it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dude. I'm closing my eyes and I'm back at that fucking playground right now. <laughs> uh, slap at a bass. Hey man, a little higher ground off of Mother's Milk. Dude, Mother's Milk. Shit. A, a song that Stevie Wonder famously covered from the Chili Peppers. Um. Amazingly, was- this is an all Metallica podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should start talking about Metallica again. I mean, we were inserting Metallica quotes of the angry kid to his father and mother and grandmother. That's true. Hey, you know what? You make an excellent point. Hey, man. You know what? Sometimes I'm full of points. You're, you're, sometimes you're full of something. <laughs> Life, it seems, will fade away, Grandma. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> Anyways, we got a couple little things left that happened in 1983. Shall we get to them? So they go on tour. They get off tour in September. I'm imagining they take a well-deserved break for a month or so. On October 24th, the quote-unquote live tracks are recorded. Um, it's kind of during the lightning demos. They recorded Seeking the Story and Phantom Lord live in the studio. Crowd noise was added and overdubbed, and they were included as live tracks on the B-side of Jump of the Fire and Whiplash Singles. What had happened was Music for Nations kind of got a hold of Kill 'Em All and was going to release it in Europe. And what they did, what most labels do, they said, hey, let's sort of promote it with a single. And that was Jump in the Fire. Right, yeah. And, and uh, so they made these two sort of live B-sides. It's kind of silly to think about now, like all that trouble to make it sound live. I know. I mean, artists, I'm sure, still do it, man. Absolutely. Well, um, Kiss, Kiss famous. I mean, maybe they, maybe they were thinking about Kiss. I don't know. Who knows? Or it might just been a budget thing, like, hey, we don't have the money to send out a mobile recording unit to you know your shows. So, what I love is that Music for Nations gave them the money to record these two singles, um, or, or, sorry, quote unquote live tracks. Uh, but basically, they also unknowingly were financing the recording of the Ride the Lightning demos. <laughs> well, you know how it goes. They probably paid for a whole day. You know, like right? Yeah. Or they or they or they paid for a block, and they you know they've been playing Seek and Destroy. And Phantom Lord every day for the last three months on the road, so they probably just knocked those out and were like, "Then we're more excited about you know." One ended up being the demos, which was Fight Fire, Ride the Lightning, Creep, and then the early version of Call of Cthulhu, which was the much less cool title when Hell Freezes Over. <laughs> they, just, they they went ahead and left that one for the Eagles to use later when they got back together. I was going to say, what if they called this when Hell Freezes Over, and then the big acoustic unplugged Eagles reunion tour was called The Call of Cthulhu? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I'm, Don, I'm Don Henley, and uh, thanks for coming out to The Call of Cthulhu, our, our reunion acoustic show. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't talked to Glenn Frey or Don Felder in, I don't know, 25 years. This really means a lot to a lot of people. We never thought it could happen, which is why we decided to call it the Call of Cthulhu Tour. <laughs> oh, man, good stuff. I wonder um, if Don Henley reads H.P. Lovecraft. He probably does. Uh, yeah, at the very least, he's going to listen to this episode. <laughs> oh, man, I'm Don Henley. Totally. I'm Don Henley, and I, I, sure, I sure love uh, Metal Up Your Podcast, man. Those this guys, is Don those Henley, and you're listening... This is Don Henley, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Make fun of me. <laughs> that's our new intro bumper. Oh, should we so play one of, of these? Should we play one of these lightning demos? Should we just choose one and play it for the good people? 
the, the good do the good people want to hear this? Do they? All right, let's take do let's they? take a vote. <laughs> do you? Do they want to hear "Fight Fire," "Ride the Lightning," "Creeping Death," or "When Hell Freezes Over"? I kind of feel like with all this "Hell Freezes Over" talk, we should play that one. Let's let's dip in and see what's going on here with "When let's Hell do, Freezes Over." Let's do. Do we want to hear? Do we want to hear the whole thing or just a clip? Let's just start it and then let's just talk over it for the rest of the episode until it runs out. All right, sounds good. So nothing really notable in November and December, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine they just kind of kept at it with like writing stuff for Lightning because they already had some demos recorded. They obviously have been writing stuff on the road, maybe on that break after the tour. So they're kind of gearing up. Plus, uh, you know, the uh, th- those those two singles didn't come out uh, until early '84, um, the Jump in the Fire one and stuff. But uh, so yeah, they're gearing up to do that. You know, there was also more touring happening into the next year. But as far as the end of the year goes, yeah, man. I mean, I'm sh- I'm guessing they're just gearing up for more touring uh, to record the next record because obviously they did that next year in the middle of a tour and stuff. So that's my best guess. Yeah. Well, they did the Seven Days of Hell tour that came up after that. They did, oh, they did a second leg. Right. Yeah. From October 31st to January 1984, so they just went back on tour. They're just touring, just kept going. And they were, you know, they always talk about that. They're known as a live band. You know, that's kind of they still consider themselves a live band. Oh yeah, I consider them a live band. I've seen it in person. I can, they still I can cons- tell you it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I have seen them live and in person, man. So I was talking with Sarah and Pete last night, and uh, they, along with Wayne Summers, who's in town by the way, visiting his girlfriend Kelly. Oh, nice. They all they all have black tickets, <clears throat> black tickets. Rad. So they're going to go to. They're, they're even kind of talking about maybe like getting an airstream and just trying to go to as many shows as possible. Oh man, that would uh, be so they're, fun. They're pretty sure that they're going to the Nashville show. Well, and Wayne is def- Wayne's definitely going to the Nashville show. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah he's already planning it, dude. That party before that show is going to be real serious, and real hopefully we'll, we'll remember it the next morning. Yeah, well. It's gonna, it, it's gonna be a good time, man. I mean, I, you know, like we said before, I mean, we're rarely on the road in January, so chances are looking really good for us to do a party before the Nashville show. And then we're gonna do another tailgate episode that afternoon, the afternoon of the show. Right. Yeah. So that so that'll be fun. We'll have Sarah and we'll have whoever wants to kind of come hang out and talk Metallica with us on there. And we'll be giving out swag and shit. It'll be fun. Oh yeah, it'll be a blast. What should we say here at the end? Well, usually we say peace and adios. Do we want to say other stuff, though? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just having a good time hanging out with Clint over the phone. I know. I miss you, man. I miss you, too. I miss you, dude. (laughs) You're the best. Well, here's the deal. We really do love and appreciate all of you who listen every week. we're, We're all sort of building this really fun community of Metallica fans that makes me really proud to do it, makes me proud to do this work. Uh, Those of you, you guys have a good pulse on. This is hard to do. You know, it's hard to organize all this stuff when we're traveling on the road. So hearing hearing from you guys every week, uh, people who write into us at Show at gmail.com, 
telling us their stories and how the music that we've made or, or the, us talking about Metallica has made them feel like they're a part of something bigger and they don't have anyone to talk to about it. It makes it all worth it. You have us. So we're really grateful for that. Uh, go leave Ooh. that iTunes review. I got go something. Go check out. Hey, I, I, okay. sorry to interrupt you, man, but I think I got something we can uh, mention that we uh, didn't at the beginning, which kind of shocks me. It's not set in stone yet, and we'll have much more details for you in the near, near future. But Clint and I are going to start this thing. Uh, it's do- going to be a donation-based thing. We're going to raise money to buy one lucky fan a hardwired experience. That's right. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the works for that. We're going to we're gonna try to work with CID and with the All Within My Hands Foundation, and but we want to we want to give away a hardwired experience to a fan this year. Yeah. Um, so we'll have details to come for that, but that's that's going to be really cool. It's going to be very cool because there, and there's plenty of time for us to kind of raise this money and and really uh, help someone out in need that that maybe can't afford to buy one of those things or it was maybe never seen the band before. And really, for those, for those, yeah, for those of you who don't know what that is, so at every show, Metallica has twelve slots for what's called the hardwired experience. It's twenty five hundred dollars, but you get two tickets, you get early access. You get a special lithograph signed by the band. You get access to the Memory uh, Remains Museum, the Spit Out the Bone Buffet. And you get to hang out and meet the band, including James Hetfield. What? You, you get you get one-on-ones with the band, and you get a picture taken with the band members. You can have two things signed. And so we had this idea that we want to, you know, preferably give it to someone who's never met the band. Maybe, um, you know, I would like to give it to a kid. Yeah, that'd be um, great. And it would just be a great way to sort of take this community. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of listeners and a lot of very generous, cool fans of the show. And we just thought this would just be yet another cool way to give back to the Metallica community, to do something right. fun, and to help somebody out and give someone a life-changing experience. I agree. I totally agree. I can't, I, I can't wait to do it, man. Um, I mean, yeah, so we'll have more details on how to get involved with that. You also get later. to wash James, too, in that experience. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the one of the perks. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. I didn't mean to cut off Clint earlier. Obviously, I I wanted to mention that. Uh, yeah, there's gonna be more details about this little contest we're doing uh, somewhat soon. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys. If you can, go leave us that iTunes review. It only takes a second. It's really helpful. Go to Patreon.com. P A T R E O N dot com backslash Metal Beer Podcast. All sorts of incentives for you to donate. Even just a dollar a month to the show really helps us a lot with what we're trying to do. We give away prizes every month. We're not trying to get rich off this shit. We're trying to make it a really special thing for the time that we have here together. So, right, yeah. Uh, until then, let's just let's give these people a break from us. How yeah, about let, that? Let's get out of here. We hope you enjoyed 1983, everybody. All right, peace. Adios. <laughs> Our advice, or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>